I'm watching, I was watching the interview and I noticed that the entire, like, up next bar of my YouTube is all videos that are trying to explain Tenet to me. (laughs) (laughs) I still don't, like, my YouTube knows that I still don't understand (laughs) what what that movie is. I did. I went to the drive-in and we saw it there. Oh, cool. Did you like it? Uh, you know, it is my least favorite Nolan movie so far. I'm a okay. big Nolan fan and this one felt a little forced in terms of like what it was, you know, what it was trying to convey. It wasn't like, you know, it like Inception to me was like like a beautiful ballroom choreographed dance whereas Tenet was like an improv show (laughs) (laughs) with two people who don't know each other that well that's what it felt like it's sort of like uh I one time saw beer shark mice which is a really well-known yeah yeah and uh they just did not we're not for some reason we're not doing well Oh no! Like, like it was just yeah, it was just an off night. They were just like, and they even did a scene where they were reviewing their lap. Like the only thing that got a laugh was they did a scene where they reviewed their past scenes and were like commenting on them because they knew they were bad. And so, but then you're like, it's a beer shark mice show, so it's still gonna be. I'm still gonna like it. It's right. just not their best show. So that's exactly how it was. Aww. Everyone did a good job in the movie in terms of acting and all that. But yeah, yeah. I th- there's a, and then <laughs> because we were at the drive-in, at the drive-in we we tried to, the same strategy that we that we like to do at the movies where we don't sit in the front cuz it's like the screen is too big in front of you and you don't get the whole picture, so we parked our car like towards the back and that was a bad idea because it's too far away. And it's like somehow it's not harder to hear, but like you're playing the audio through the AM radio station. So oh, okay. the like instead of the screen taking up your whole vision, it's just like a piece of it. And then the rest is like all the activity of the other cars going on around you. Apparently, Tenet was just hard to hear in general, like the way people record modern movies now, they pick up so much oh. other sound as opposed to the dialogue, that it's a big problem. That <laughs> makes sense. So I, I feel like That's a couple funny. of articles talking about how difficult it was to understand anything they said. That's that, funny. And Robert Pattinson has a tendency to like somehow mumble all his words too oh. and like not move his mouth a lot. So you're just like, what? He's a mumbler and a whisperer, which I feel like is, <laughs> is, a, is like an immortal sin. It's like you can be both, dude. <laughs> like you can't or you can't be both you can be one or the other you could be a whisperer or, you, yeah. or clear whispering <laughs> yeah it's a leftover from twilight where you just had to mumble whisper <laughs> yeah but i love you. like uh who's who's that he's uh, uh oh, he's a really great actor who's on uh empire and he whispers oh what's his name shoot terrence howard Oh, you mean the the oh. woman beater? Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say Paul Giamatti, but that's another show. That's not Paul Giamatti. <laughs> and that's Paul Giamatti does not whisper a whole lot. What? <laughs> yeah. Paul Giamatti's on Empire. What show? Uh, oh, Billions. Is that a show? Yeah. Is that? Okay. Billions. Billions. Yeah. 
Uh, but he, Ter- Terrence Howard, he whispers, but he at least enunciates. That's what I'm trying to say. That's the point I'm trying to make. I didn't know that he beat his wife. He but. has beat two of his wives. How? That's <laughs> like- too many. He looks like a toothpick would knock him out. Like, he looks so weak. That is too too many, Marcelina. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's a whole thing. Uh, I wish wish Cash were here just for this blurb because, like, he can do a really good Terrence Howard. But if you go, you can still go on Terrence Howard's Twitter right now. And he, like, has this whole rant where he justified hitting women. It's not actually justified. He's just, like, saying, like, crazy shit where he's, like, an eye for an eye, and, you know. If, if you if you what? hit me, if you raise a hand to me, I'm gonna raise a hand to you. Like nobody <laughs> should be raising any hands unless <laughs> you're like, in school. <clears throat> that's like I watched this uh, documentary series called Last Chance You, where they take like it's basically about like a a junior college in the South that takes football players who have sort of like wasted their opportunities at division at collegiate schools, essentially. And they go to this junior college so they can play football and then be seen by scouts and then hopefully get back into a good school and then get a professional, you know, so it's sort of like their second chance. Uh And one of the, one of the guys, one of the players who was on, I think the second season, he was the guy, I don't know if you remember that video that went around of that white girl at a bar who walked up to this black guy at a bar. And then the black guy just hauls off and punches her in the face. He was the guy. And so he was talking about how like, well, she said some really mean things to me. And I just don't think you should be able to talk to somebody like that. And then on the other side, he was like, but I don't agree with hitting women. And I was like, well, it sounds like you do, buddy. <laughs> it, sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like you're justifying hitting women. If she was a Nazi, then you could hit her. Uh, I'm gonna, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say you shouldn't hit no matter what. What if they're wearing a Nazi uniform? I think that's okay. I think that's no. okay. I think I so. I think that's fine. I think I think, I, you... I think, I think if they look, I think if you're defending yourself, if somebody is, is hitting you, you have every right to hit them. And I think that that's, you know, that's fine. But I think to be violent towards somebody else, first off, you then give that person the power. You then you you then look like the idiot, and secondly, there you should. I don't think you should be. I don't think you should initiate violence with other people. Now, I don't get me wrong. Have disagree. I told somebody? Have I told somebody I'm going to hit them with my car? Yes, <laughs> I told <laughs> many people I'm going to hit them with my car. I don't no, know. I think you you should actively discourage hate speech like that. I think you. Sh- oh no, I think you should definitely do that. With I don't think my you should fist. do that with. I don't think you should do that with violence. I think you should do that by either, you know, blocking them or by, you know, essentially shouting over them if you want, or (laughs) by simply, you know, making them feel like they're not being heard and just completely ignoring them. But I don't think you should be violent towards them. Laura, you've gone soft ever since you started working with kids. Yeah. Yeah. Soft. Okay. Well, (laughs) you used to be all about punching Nazis. Just for existing. Yeah. I think those were the days, right? I think <laughs> those not, were the you days. should be pun- punched just for existing because yeah. they yeah. killed well, a bunch of people. <laughs> what's really weird, what's really weird is I got that I got those tattoos on my knuckles that say Nazi puncher. But unfortunately <laughs> one hand is Nazi and the other hand is puncher. So <laughs> depending on what hand I lead with, people get a real different idea of that. 
<laughs> do you have uh do you have uh, did you double up on letters as yes. <laughs> on your fingers People yeah, and I I accidentally spelled puncher p u n c h h e r, so <laughs> it looks like puncher. <laughs> and right. I put I put an exclamation point after Nazi, so it just looks really like Nazi puncher. <laughs> no, that's that's all it looks. <laughs> all right, guys, welcome to bloody cop. Bloody what? <laughs> bloody cop. Oh no. Oh, how embarrassing. Welcome to Bloody Podcast. I am your host, <laughs> Maria Felix, my co-host, Nazi, comma, puncher, <laughs> Lori Roggenkamp. And our guest today, returning because she's so wonderful, Marcelina Shavira. Marcelina, hello. Hello. Y'all are wonderful. Y'all are wonderful for having me, too. Uh, yes, thank Thank you for coming back on Bloody Cock. We appreciate it. <laughs> Where it's just women who've cut off men's penises. Oh, that's pretty good. That's, that's a pretty it. good. I would listen to a podcast about that. Yeah. And there's definitely a lot, a lot of cases where that there's is the a, case. There is a surprising amount of cases. I'm not surprised. I, I'm not, I feel I'm surprised like there are more. Yeah. Wow. You guys are very violent. I didn't realize how violent you were. I'm not saying that because there should be more. I'm just saying that because... Um... I, it just, it, <laughs> it's just so obvious. It's just the obvious answer. Obvious, yeah, obvious choice. Yeah. Obvi oh, okay. yeah, obvious choice. If you're going to cut something off... It might, sure. Yeah, yeah it, should be, it should be that. It should be a penis... Not a pinky. Don't waste your time. No. Yeah. Get straight to the point. Well, before we incriminate ourselves more, <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's jump. Let's jump into it. So uh, we last left off with San and the San Antonio Four, Part One, and Elizabeth Ramirez had just been sentenced to thirty-seven years in prison in nineteen ninety-seven. So. We'll pick up from there. Uh, actually, we'll backtrack a little bit to explain how the San Antonio Four are now seen as part of the last of a series of satanic panic cases that happened throughout the 80s and 90s. So starting in the 1980s, America, good old home country here, America infected the whole modern world with satanic panic. It basically started with the McMartin preschool trial here in Los Angeles, specifically Manhattan Beach. Ooh. A woman by the name of Judy Johnson alleged that someone at her son's preschool had sodomized and abused her son. From there, the stories grew, and pretty soon, hundreds of teachers and daycare workers obviously not just in McMartin, but all over the nation, were being accused of being pedophiles and committing satanic ritual abuse. It started here, and then it went to Europe, it went to South America, it went to Australia, it went worldwide. Claim it went, it went down under? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's satanic panic and Coca-Cola. You're welcome. Mm -hmm. You're welcome, yeah. world. Ooh, maybe there's a correlation. 
I mean, Coca-Cola did come from cocaine, which, you know, is a drug. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> which, you know, enables you to <laughs> heal Satan. Which is, yeah, Satan's drug of choice. So there we go. Figure it out. The claims set forth were pretty insane, uh, especially in the McMartin trial. There was claims that the teachers had drilled holes into the arms of the children that then magically healed, that they flushed them down toilets that led to secret passages where they would then be abused. This was before Harry Potter. Yeah. I guess that's maybe where she got the idea from. She would. <laughs> that's so her. That's so, that is so JK. Yeah. <laughs> She was like milling through the uh, the case files and just being like, "Oh, that sounds pretty magical." Yeah, well, it, it just it, it just circles back to the everything she's written now. Apparently, is all homophobic. So we're it's just like, yeah, no, that checks. Okay. <laughs> it also included secret orgies at car washes, which is which is I guess a thing. That's got to be the worst place to have an orgy. Yeah, yeah. At the easy cleanup. No, but then yeah. you're getting slapped, like you're getting tossed around by the giant sponges and stuff. That Are you somebody's okay. thing? <laughs> That's true. Okay. okay, wait a second. Let's back up for a second. I'm sorry to distract already go off the rails, but are you guys saying that you would have an orgy not in a car, but outside of a car in the car wash part of the car wash? I think that's what they meant. Because yeah. like, uh, oh, you know, okay. it's, it's all enclosed, so you couldn't see inside. I thought they were talking about like having the orgy in the car during the car wash. There's not enough room to have a proper orgy in a car. <laughs> but what about outside of a car? Like water's going everywhere. I you would suffocate to death <laughs> <laughs> from all the water and the soap, and then not to mention the brushes and the I wax, think- the hot wax finish at the end. Yes. Yeah. With the right attitude, it's like you're having an orgy at a water park. <laughs> so mate. With the right attitude. <laughs> <laughs> you just sound like a motivational speaker. It's all about the way that you go into the orgy, okay? If you have the bad yeah. attitude, you're going to have a bad time. <laughs> did you guys did you guys see Maria's TED talk? It was, <laughs> it was really interesting. <laughs> it's like running a marathon. It's yeah. harder than running a marathon. <laughs> I, just, I just have to change my attitude towards orgies and wash. <laughs> <laughs> so according to all these accusers and believers, pedophiles ran the majority of daycare centers, and it was all a conspiracy by the government to Dot, dot, dot. Not anything just to rape children, I guess. That reminds me so much of that South Park episode where those elves are stealing, like, underwear. And then they have the the plan for world domination. It's like, step one, steal underwear. Step two, question mark. Step three, rule the world. <laughs> I, think you re- I think you referenced that episode on this show before. It's my favorite. It's my favorite. (laughs) It's my favorite thing ever. I referenced that. I I said that today, and in a kindergarten class, like I reference it all the time. (laughs) It's it's a really good episode. Yeah, 
The McMartin trials ended with no convictions, but it took seven years and became the most expensive trial in history of America. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Another notable trial in New Zealand resulted in the conviction of Peter Ellis in 1993. His personal relationships with men and women, because he was bi, were used against him during the trial. Unfortunately, Peter died last year in 2019 while trying to appeal his conviction. Oh, he's still trying to appeal his conviction. Oh, that's so sad. Well, he's passed now. Oh, yeah, that's true. Wouldn't it be funny if he came back from the dead and he was like, ha ha, you were right. I am satanic. <laughs> Didn't molest the kids, but I'm, I, am a, I am the devil. <laughs> devil wouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. How dare you? No, we're not that gross. What? The devil doesn't even like kids. No reason to have him around. Yeah, they like mess up his furniture that's made out of white leather. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's got like white furniture and like a a tiger skin rug and shit. Yeah, yes, definitely does. You know how hard it is to get child sweat out of white leather? (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) And like boogers, boogies, boogies, whatever they've eaten. The thing that's so crazy to me is that I feel like this is this is just shows the the like somebody mentioned the documentary this is basically like a, the Salem witch trials and it just shows i think the Salem witch trials kind of showed people's fear of women in yeah. general like their fear of like oh a woman's not married without kids which you know it's like that was a fear then now i think it just shows people's fear of gay people and i think that basically was the satanic panic where it was like, oh, well, you're gay, so obviously you molest children, and you're obviously into Satan. That was, like, that was definitely a part of it, but the West, yeah. the West Memphis Three were just, like, weirdo kids. They yeah. were just, like, three regular teenager, teenage dudes who liked, uh, I don't know, what was, what's the, they probably had a Metallica shirt or something. Yeah, they just, they like, metal were, and stuff. Yeah, they just, like, oh, metal. Oh, that had to do with the... Uh... With satanic yeah. stuff? Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, wow. Yes. Uh, but also, um, the this this pan this satanic panic, people theorize didn't just have to do with like um homosexuals being more out. It also still had to do with women because women were getting even more out into the workplace and being single moms and, and working a job and all that. And so you know, there was still a lot of fear of of just that happening in general. So it was like both of those thing com- things combined, yeah. along with a general fear of any modernization of anything. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it, that's what you get when you have a woman in the workplace. She has to send her kid to a daycare that's run by pedophilic Satan worshipers. Yeah, that's Aww. what you get. She has to. <laughs> she has to because her husband won't. Take yeah. care of the kids. Well, why should he? Or is there a husband? You don't need a husband. Yeah, you don't need one. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so this moral panic, as it came to be known, was, as we were, you know, hinting at, widely led by Christian fundamentalists, mental health and law advocates, and child abuse advocates. The trend was reaching its end when the San Antonio Four were accused. Yeah, but we're always yeah. like 20 years behind in Texas, so. 
Yeah. So, oh, that's, yeah, they, so, so that's, that's right. So you're from San Antonio. I am. I am. I was born um, oh. south of San Antonio in Hondo, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, but the majority of my family does live in San Antonio. So I know you mentioned that you don't remember this case because you, you were little. I was little. I think actually my mom and I were living in Colorado when this was happening. I would have been in like elementary school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I Texas is very conservative. I mean, we had a really, really cool governor. We had Ann Richards for a really long time. Um, Cecile Richards' mother. She, Cecile Richard is uh, was the head of Planned Parenthood. Ann oh. Richards was awesome. She only got one term and was, uh, I think she was beat by George W. Bush. And then oh. George W. Bush did to Texas what he did to the entire country. Uh, yeah. which is, Isn't that nice? Yeah. I mean, you could tell what he was going to do because mess things up a lot. Uh, made things yeah. more conservative <laughs> and racist. Yeah. So that's always fun. And then Republicans saw that and said, yep, yeah, that works for us. But there's also a lot of homophobia in the Latinx community. Um, yeah. Luckily, when I was growing up, my friend, my, my, my brother and my sisters are all uh, much older than me. So they had a lot of gay friends for some reason. I learned about what a drag queen was from living in San Antonio. Uh, oh, wow. But yeah, they, they're, uh, yeah, my people aren't the most nice about that. Unfortunately. Yeah, I didn't mention this uh, on the last episode, but the reason that Elizabeth had a brief period of time when she was living with her sister was because her mother had kicked her out because finding, because she had t- tried to come out to her mother and her mother yes. wasn't accepting of it at the time. She not only kicked her out, she went to the courthouse and got a judge to sign off and say that, like, essentially emancipated herself from her own daughter and said, I am no longer responsible for you. Right. And that, I think, is that a judge would be willing to sign off on that. Well, she's gay. So, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the what was it last week? He said the jury foreman was super homophobic. Yeah. Yeah, he was a minister. Everybody on the, like, they were saying in the documentary that they didn't, I mean, I don't think they got one person who was pro-gay gay people in any way. And that's supposed to be a jury of their peers. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I wonder if anyone was pro-gay on the jury, but then felt the pressure to pretend they were not. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that that is that could also be a thing. Yeah. Like some gay guy that was like, "Oh, I hate I hate gays. I hate <laughs> gays so much. If anybody, if any man here wants to talk to me about gay men and their sick, disgusting, depravity sex, I'll be at a bar later after this." But ugh, <laughs> gross. That reminds me <laughs> of um, Ninety Day Fiance, which <laughs> I'm gonna shoehorn in here. Um, the, there's a, a lady on there. Her name is Larissa. And now she's dating this second guy. It's like her second boyfriend on the show who is clearly gay, clearly very gay. <laughs> and she's asking him for breast implants to pay for breast implants. 
and he starts she's like wouldn't you like them and he's like yeah they would be like like big headlights like in you know like in front of me all the time it's like headlights you're clearly gay (laughs) you have no no semblance of attraction no interest no interest at all you're calling (laughs) it's like they're coming at me full stop and i can't stop i it's like i'm a deer and i can't look away but i want to (laughs) not it's not bad connotation being caught in headlights at all that's not bad no No. compliment (laughs) you're trapping me against my wheel that's what it meant my wheel my will that's what it feels like my wheel getting into it that's so, not uh, how we talk in san antonio this is not how anybody in san antonio talks <laughs> yeah where exactly is that texas accent from said to be real down south or no no it's not down south it, it, down south they're all mexican so that's true yeah <laughs> yeah because so it's right like... at the border it's like east texas maybe west texas panhandle they all have like a little bit different regionally things but yeah hmm i'm starting to feel like legitimately the people who get those accents are people from california who move to those places and think that they have to have those accents (laughs) because i knew somebody who moved to texas and now when like i see her videos on facebook she's like all right how y'all doing it's like you're from (laughs) california Uh, (laughs) what is your accent (laughs) There's some, there's some like really. My cousins have that. My white cousins have accents, and it's cute. It's pretty. Yeah, I like from southern the accents. Country. Yeah, they're very charming. Yeah, that's how they get you. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a reminder, the allegations against the women were made in 1994. Liz, the aunt of the accusers, was convicted in '97. And Christy, Anna, and Cassie remained out on bond, working multiple jobs to afford the legal fees and trying to gather evidence of their innocence. They faced trial together in 1998, four years later, after the initial allegations. Heartbreakingly, in the documentary, Anna's mother explains how they tried to live life as normally as possible during this time, and they celebrated birthdays, anniversaries, and, and you know just at all celebrations but always with the unrelenting knowledge of knowing that the trial and potential sentencing was just around the corner yeah which i i can't i i've been through something similar where you know something like legal is coming and it is it is the most like there is no no true happiness in those moments until like something all is of resolved. Us until election day, right now. Yes, <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> I can't imagine that. That sounds. I'm so, I'm sorry that you had to go through. I, that's. Uh, I will say this: the only thing that the mother of one of the uh, victims, she was very sweet on camera, but there were two times where I felt like she was super annoying, and one of those times was when she was doing the birthday party and she's like, aren't you happy? Everyone's here. And I would have been like, no, I'm not fucking happy. I'm going to jail. <laughs> Smile more. Oh, why don't you shut the fuck up? Do you want to go to jail for me? <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's lady. so, it's so hard because I mean, that lady was probably just, um, saying out loud how she wanted to feel because that's how it feels where it's like, you need to be happy right now because 
a little bit from now, you might never be happy again. Yeah. So it's this very is hard. Be taken from you. Yeah. So it's it's a it's it's just it was just a super sad super sad moment of the documentary. I cried like uh like ten times during this documentary. It was so hard. <laughs> there was one time where I was sobbing throughout this whole thing, and it was well. I'll I'll tell. I guess I'll tell because you probably might address it at the end. But yeah, it was. I was like Jesus. So in February 1998, the women went to trial at Bexar County Criminal Court. Ooh, it's actually Bear County. Oh, the X is silent. What? Yeah. Okay. Spanish. Yeah, no. I I, <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> I, that, this is where I'm putting my foot down. No, I I, I refuse to acknowledge that. It, it, we pronounce it Bear County. Well, you're wrong. Okay. Why is it? <laughs> do you know why the X is there? It's. I think it's Spanish. It's. It's actually an, an H. So Bejer County. Oh. Spanish oh. or Basque or something. Um, do you also say please, please go out the door marked Eje? Is yes, that what you we say, say Eje. Call it Et. Actually, just Et, like bear or Et. <laughs> Man, Texans are weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got a real backwards way of thinking. Okay. <laughs> Call it the Ilophone. Erop machines. Erop machines. Erop. Yeah. Check out this movie. It's uh, rated. <laughs> <laughs> so at this trial, both Stephanie Limon and Vanessa Limon, the accusers, were called to testify. Once again, the details of their stories changed. Stephanie, the smaller one, the younger one who didn't testify the first time, would claim that she did hear Vanessa scream and had knocked on the door. Vanessa had never mentioned this before. Because then, then Stephanie goes on to say that when she knocked on the, on the bedroom door, that all four women came out, and then Vanessa came out and had no pants on, and then Vanessa left and went to go play outside. But Vanessa never made any mention of this in her uh, re- accounts of the story. The location of the abuse in the house as to whether it was the bedroom or the living room also changed. And the weapon used to threaten them to keep quiet changed again. So did the person who was holding it. So the first time they had accused Liz and the second time they started accusing Anna. So they had so many versions of the story that it became nearly impossible for the prosecution and defense to keep up. But nevertheless, the prosecution downplayed their inconsistencies. And it doesn't say how, but I'm going to assume it's because they were children and there was, it seemed easier to downplay. They were kids. They were traumatized. Yeah, exactly. The women testified that they were never together at the apartment at the same time and that they did mundane things all week with nothing out of the ordinary happening. In addition, Dr. Kellogg testified about her findings again. I actually have a correction here. Dr. Kellogg did testify during Elizabeth's trial about the scar on Vanessa's hymen and said it was a sign of abuse, but It was during the second trial that Kellogg testified about Stephanie's examination. She said that Stephanie's exam showed that Stephanie's hymen was thickened and that it could be a sign of abuse, but also a sign of nothing at all. So this is where she goes flip-flops back and forth. Furthermore, 
It wasn't until the 98 trials that Dr. Kellogg found out about the 1992 accusations and subsequent examinations on the girls regarding the Colorado case, the one with the, the little boy who never existed. Um, yes. when she, when she I went, remember. yes, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> thank you, Marcin. No, thank you, Marcin. Cause you know I'm paying attention. <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> when she went, through... I agree with you. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> when she went through those findings, she saw that Stephanie's hymen was also thickened and red. Those are from the 92 exams. During cross-examination, she admitted that Stephanie's exams were pretty much normal, but added on that it definitely didn't rule out abuse. So it's nothing. It could be nothing, but it could be something, and that something could definitely be satanic abuse. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is... That's awful. That's like when you, whenever you put an ailment into the WebMD and they're like, you either have a rash or cancer. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> it's just either like way, that. Go see a doctor, a real doctor, not one that believes yeah. in satanic uh, yeah. practices. <laughs> God, I would love if I looked something up and that was one of the, one of the, <laughs> one yeah. of the symptoms on WebMD. <laughs> Have that you been be. sexually abused by Satanists? Yeah, yeah, like headaches, dizziness, satanic abuse ritual, <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea. <Yeah. laughs> On Valentine's Day, February 14th, 1998, all three women were found guilty of sexual assault of a child and sentenced to 15 years. Oh, man. Wow. That's the worst Valentine's 98? Day ever. Mm-hmm. Valentine's Day? That's more... Yeah. <laughs> now, this is the asshole in me, but if you think about it, it's actually a plus for any of their any of the people the, who date them now, because even if you don't get them a gift, at least they're not in prison, you know. So you're like, well, I'm better than this is the this is the best Valentine's Day you've had, because the one you had when you were sent to jail was awful. So. I'm doing all right. I thought you were going to go a similar route and say that they can just pretend to be mad all day. Like the women could pretend to just be mad about Valentine's Day all the time and therefore had to never like celebrate it. Oh, well, that's see, that's better. <laughs> that's a better thing. <laughs> I, don't I don't celebrate Valentine's Day. I don't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's fair. It's fair. Yeah. I just think 98. Hadn't Ellen come out by then? Like, wasn't? Uh, let's let's see. I don't know. Women. I was. I remember her show being on. Was a thing. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like she. Ninth, yeah, she came out in nineteen ninety seven. Oh, the year before. Okay. okay. Yeah. You have to wait twenty more years for Texas to to catch for what? up. We have to wait oh, twenty yeah. more years for Texas to catch up. <laughs> yeah, they're nowhere near it. They're nowhere yeah. near it. I just want to point out, when I started typing in the Ellen DeGeneres thing, the first search option is, when did Ellen DeGeneres die? Does everybody think she died? <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe they just what? want her to die? Maybe they're just like, oh, it's got to happen sometime. Ah. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> 
Well, I mine says, how old is Ellen's daughter? How old is Ellen's daughter? I don't know why we're going off on this tangent. It doesn't matter. Let me see what I get. Daughter. From 98 to 2000, the women fought for appeals while out on bond, but were denied. That sucks, man. Oh, yeah, that, that, that sucks. But my first thing that came up is Ellen is a Rockefeller. What? Is she? I don't know, but that's what came up in my Google no. search. She's not a Rockefeller. I wrote Ellen is, and then a Rockefeller <laughs> came up. I don't know why. Why? <laughs> I've never looked that up before. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> what is wrong with people? <laughs> this is-, is she still with Portia de Rossi? Yeah, they're oh, still no. together. Maybe the free Portia. <laughs> Maybe Porsche's a Rockefeller. Oh, no, Porsche's from Australia. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe one day we'll cover Ellen. Maybe she would have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's looking like that might be a possibility. So we'll <laughs> from ninety-eight to two thousand. The women fought for appeals while out on bond, but were denied. So they're celebrating the new millennium, and they're still probably going to go to jail. It's oh, nuts. Man. And that was after they, like, they had all, like, they, they had people, they did that video where they went to the, where their apartment building used to be, and there was that guy who was just apparently hanging out, who used to live in. <laughs> yeah, he never left the area. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He was just like, I just come here to look at it sometimes. I mean, I don't know why he was there, but but he used to live in the apartment. They were like, the, it was super, like, it, the walls were super thin. He was like, yeah, yeah, the walls. Were, he goes, so if I, if people were screaming, you could hear them. He goes, yeah, totally. You could, you could, you could not get away with murder, and you know, in those apartments. And I was just like, with all, like, they had to, they were so, like, determined to put on their own defense because nobody else was doing it for them. Yeah, and they also seemed to have shitty lawyers. Like, I'm yeah. I'm very sorry that they paid these lawyers because they didn't take public defenders. They worked those jobs, they worked multiple jobs to be able to pay their lawyers, and their lawyers still seem to suck. I mean, yeah. just their timelines can prove, I'm sure they all had alibis to say, no, they weren't all together on that day at that time. Yeah, exactly. They did. And yet none of that was followed up on. All they could just do was say it in court, you know, like we were never there at the same time, but probably because the lawyers didn't try to gather enough evidence about it, that it was just dis- dismissed as a lie. Well, also, and they, they mentioned this in, in the the thing several times is that, I mean, people want to believe kids, you know, when you, when a kid says they've been hurt, they want, people want to believe them. I never want to believe kids. I mean, (laughs) my my day job is basically telling kids, I don't believe you. Uh, but (laughs) oh, I went to the bathroom and the bathroom door was locked and I couldn't get in. I don't believe you, Kevin. Sit down. (laughs) Like that's basically my entire day. Now you sit in your mess. (laughs) Shit your pants. (laughs) Nobody loves you. Uh, Yeah. Uh, but like that. So unfortunately. You know, they really, 
unless one of the kids w- would come forward and say, oh, it didn't, that didn't happen, they, the kids are the ones, that's the evidence they have, is this testimony with the kids. So that, and you could throw anything, I mean, you could have given a plane ticket to show that they were out of the country and they still would have believed the kids. Yeah. So that, and at the time, Dr. Kellogg's um, expert testimony. Yeah, her physical examination. Yeah. So those two things, I mean, there was nothing they could do. I mean, I, I agree with Maria. I think they had shitty lawyers, but it's like you're you're working an impossible case. Yeah, that jury was going to convict them no matter what. Yep. Yeah. An arrest warrant was issued, and the remaining women turned themselves in in July of 2000. From 2000 to 2008, the women remained in prison, all separated, and only wrote to their families and children. When asked, Anna says that her and Cassie never officially broke up. And since inmates are not allowed to write to each other, none of the women had contact with each other. Yeah. In 2008, Daryl Odo a Canadian biologist, was doing research on female pedophiles. He ran across the case of the women in a student-made video available at a research library. So that's really important. And, like, they show a little clip of the video, and I just want to say all those, like, shitty YouTube or col- and college videos that, like, people make, keep them yeah. up. Keep them up. Yeah. <laughs> keep doing it. <laughs> yeah. Also... I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something at you that you've said to me many times. Why why are you saying female pedophiles? Why not just call them pedophiles? He said female pedophiles. Oh, okay. Because All right, yeah. <laughs> Use your semantics. Okay, sure. <laughs> he was doing a case specifically on female pedophiles and like the the patterns of it. And pat- okay. and patterns of them. And one of the main things that I know, and I know you know because you watch documentary. <laughs> He says that one of the main things that he found interesting about the case from the get-go is that women don't typically do this in groups. No. They act alone. And it's mostly teacher-student. Yes. Which we've covered. And uh, that the, the, when you mentioned the, the two women who were separated and they, you know, they never officially broke up, but they were separated, uh, that's when I started bawling. Because I was just like, ugh. That's so sad. To be like... To be totally separated. Like, imagine they were together for seven years. They raised kids together. Yeah. And then they're essentially, they have, can have no contact for, as far as they know, the rest of their lives. Yeah. That's, uh, I just, I can't imagine that. That's awful. It's terrible. And to never say, never be able to say goodbye to the person that you love, like. Yeah. Oh, uh. In in Texas, uh, that long living together and raising kids together, that's common law marriage. Oh, but I mean, I think the the state has to recognize it. Yeah, I, yeah, they, they, yeah. But Javier and Rosa were common law married <laughs> for their, well, thank God. Uh, yeah, you know, that's who really deserves the recognition of a yeah. relationship. Ugh. That, that couple definitely deserves that. <laughs> Javier, I think Javier's just bitter because he's never had sex with a woman who's not been 1,000% drunk. Like, no woman, <laughs> every woman who's, who's had sex with him has been like, well, you're going to have to give me two hours in a 
shitload of liquor because <laughs> there's no way I can have sex with you sober. Pretty much. So, so Daryl, interested in the case, found and wrote to Liz. It had been the first time he had decided to ever reach out to any kind of inmate. And a couple of weeks later, he received Liz's response. He then began to write to Anna, Cassie, and Christy. I'm going to refer to her as Chris from now on because on certain updates I've seen, she's referred to as Chris, so I think that's what she may prefer. Mm. And off the off chance that they ever listen to this, then I want them to be happy with it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Daryl was shocked at the details that were overlooked during their trials. He became convinced of their innocence and petitioned the National Center for Reason and Justice in the hopes that they would sponsor the case for an appeal. The National Center for Reason Reason and Justice is a really cool place, it sounds like, to work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it is an innocence campaign for people falsely accused of harming children. So yeah, they're definitely doing a lot of pro bono stuff. The National Center for Reason and Justice sponsored the case for an appeal. In November of 2010, Debbie Nathan of the National Center for Reason and Justice brought the case to the Innocence Project of Texas, an organization that helps wrongfully convicted inmates appeal and exonerate their charges. The Innocence Project decided to take on the case. The lawyers and Debbie Nathan began interviews with all parties on the case, including Javier and Serafina, his mom. Serafina doubles down when she's interviewed, saying the girls never never talked to her, but to Javier directly. Then she just yeah. eats her enchiladas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they were like, as, they're, as she's interviewing, she's like, you know, <laughs> picking through her meal. Yes. And then you also hear in the background, order up. It's like, okay, <laughs> could you have not gone to a place that was less quiet? Like, oh, I'm man, sure- they interview these people at the, at the loudest restaurants. I'm sure that they were like, we could just, you know, where, where, where would you like to have lunch? And she's like, I'm going to get a free meal. So I, I want to yeah. go to my favorite place. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to talk legit though. Tex-Mex is legit. It is yeah. so good. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I mean, especially if you're getting it for free, but it was super funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to have this serious conversation about, um, you know, possible child sexual abuse. And there's a plate of nachos in front yeah. of her and she's doing that thing where it's like no <laughs> yeah. i never I, I never i never talked to the girls i never questioned no i never questioned them she's got like different plates and like yeah. five different drinks <laughs> yeah this is the stuff i these four plates are what i'm saving for dinner these four plates are what i'm going to eat now <laughs> <laughs> yes i will have dessert i'll have one of each yeah yeah In 2011, Chris, Cassie, and Anna are required to enter the sexual offender program in prison. Anna refuses to participate and is sent to solitary for a time and stripped of all the privileges that she has worked for in prison up until this point. Oh, that's... Yeah. Also in 2011, Debbie Nathan contacts filmmaker Deborah Eskinasi giving her home videos of the women prior to their arrest and informing her on the case. It also shows the women's efforts to find evidence for their case. So it showed them like the video of, of the, the guy that's just hanging around the, 
apartments and all that. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, I just uh, I just come here every every day just to make sure that it's still an empty lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they should be questioning that dude. Like, yes. what did you do? Why are you coming around? What do you have buried? What yeah, do you have buried? Oh! <laughs> yeah? He totally has something buried there! <laughs> yeah, he's like, <laughs> I'm just here making sure nobody's messing with the grounds, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nobody's turning up fresh dirt. It's fine. Yeah. I, oh, wait. You... I just had a recovered memory. <laughs> What's oh, that? Uh, no, I just remember being little in San Antonio and, like, playing in the playground. And there's a drainage ditch with graffiti. And everybody's like, that's where they do Satan stuff. That's where they worship Satan. I remember that was like a big deal yeah. when I was little talking about that. Oh, what? Did you ever go down there? Did you ever get brave enough to go down yeah, there? Yeah, I went down there and looked around. But it was always just, you know, empty 40s and cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And yeah, there was some like a high schooler graffiti their name on something and that was it. It wasn't anything scary. I thought it, it was scary at the time. It was Yeah, crazy. it's terrifying at the time. We had yeah. a similar thing, but I was a little older when like my little brothers and sisters, like they were the ones that had heard that there was like a a drainage ditch over by my mom's place that was like for satanic activity. So I went down there and I was a, I was already a teenager, so I didn't believe it. But there was at the time that I went down there, there was teenage boys down there and they scared me off. So I Ooh. guess teenage <laughs> I guess boys no way. scarier than Satan. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, uh, my a friend of mine was dating this guy who said that he worshiped Satan. And uh, like in the beginning, we were all like, "Ooh, he's really cool. And And after like. I want to say maybe three days. I was like, oh, this guy is such a loser. All he would do is talk about how, so for my, there's a park and then there's like a freeway next to the park and then some houses on the other side of the freeway. And there's like a a tunnel that goes over an over ramp that goes over the freeway that leads you from the park to the other, other houses. And he used, all he used to do is just talk about how he would run on top of the tunnel over the freeway <laughs> and we would always say like okay do it like let's see you do it and he would always pretend to run and they'd be like oh my knee oh i can't, I can't. <laughs> oh i pull i pull ah, i just don't feel like i have to really want to it's like okay well <laughs> well maybe he was a nice guy i remember at the beginning of the pandemic the Church of Satan was ha- one of the first organizations to be making and handing out masks to people. I forget what sect. I forget if it was here in California or in, in like Oregon. But was just it the Church know. of Satan or the Satanic Temple? Oh, I don't know. I think it was the Church of Satan. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, the Satanic yeah. Temple is mostly a, a political action group. Oh. Maybe it was the, oh, oh, the okay. see, yeah, I said satanic temple, right? It's been a yeah. long day, guys. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> you sure it's not pronounced the satanic temple? Huh? <laughs> uh, uh-huh. No, it's the bear temple. The bear. Yeah. That's how it's pronounced. S A T A N is pronounced bear. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Deborah decides to document the story and begins filming. Now, in August of 2012, 
the the Innocence Project contacts Liz's niece, Stephanie, now a mother with her own children, who says she is ready to tell the truth and get her aunt out of prison. She even gives her statement on camera. She says no one is threatening her to do it, that in fact, her father, Javier Limon, said that if she did open her mouth, he would get her children taken away from her. She also acknowledges that her older sister, Vanessa, will likely never speak on it, as Vanessa believes that it did happen to her, and overall, they don't speak much at all to to each other. Stephanie then goes on to explain what she remembers. She remembers after the week spent at her aunt's, her, her sister, and their female cousin of the same age were playing with Barbies one day when they put the Barbies in a toy car with one in the front driving and two in the back. The two Barbies in the back, according to them as little girls, were, quote, kissing with tongue. Her father and grandmother saw this and locked them in a room and and locked the two little girls, not the cousin, in a room and then flooded them with questions about who taught them this, who touched them, and where did they touch them, and who put the and who had put them in that position. Not the Barbies, but who had put the girls in that position. The girls mm. repeated that nothing happened, but Javier and Serafina just wouldn't accept that. They told the girls that someone did get touched and that, they were going to be left out on the street if they didn't tell them what happened. I speculate too, uh, and this is just me aside, that he was also like, te voy a dar el, cinto, el cinturón, which is like, I'm going to give you the belt. Yeah. A lot, oh, of that, yeah. a lot of that was probably going on and the, probably a lot of sandal waving from Serafina. <laughs> sandal waving? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm here to second the Serafina thing. That you said last episode that they're all evil, right? <laughs> oh. They all what it is. They all like are yeah. They're weird. Yeah, they're weird. That is insane. I didn't know that. You can't give people that name because it cur- it curses them to be shitty people. Yeah, I I the, like the old scary women in in my past have all been named Serafina. <laughs> The mean abuelitas, they're your yeah, like, yeah, the mean ones, the mean guys. Yeah, Mm-mm. yeah, they're all awful. But yeah, Lori, you didn't know about the chancla? Oh, the I knew, I know what a I knew about the chancla. I just assumed it was like a tiny bat. I didn't know it was a sandal. <laughs> it's a sandal, and it has the power of a nail, uh, like a nail stapled bat. That's so much yeah. power. What? Oh. <laughs> It's just no matter how old and frail abuelitas are, they will beat the crap out of you with a flip flop. <laughs> but like one that they've been wearing, yeah. yeah. Where oh. else are they going to get the flip flop? Yeah. See, my my parents were abusive, but they at least had the decency to like use hygienic products, <laughs> like, like what a, a large book or their hands that they previously washed a large know. book jesus christ now worry yeah. you're gonna get a spanking but first i gotta wash my hands i gotta wash them <laughs> and that's part of the terror that people inflict on little kids with like saying i'm, I'm gonna hit you i'm gonna spank you is more, more of the fear comes from the weight you know, like saying that or like the the wait till we get home thing that's what's yeah. scarier than like the actual spanking 
the anticipation. Yeah, the countdown. That always used to freak me out. My dad always used to start, he just would start counting down. <laughs> and I would, and it was just like, and I would just be like, oh God. And it was like never enough. Like he would always usually just like hit us or push us, but it was never any, but I always used to be like, he's got a gun. He's going to like kill us. <laughs> Every single time there was a countdown. I love that so. he would push you. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> we just no, like we're not laughing you. at your trauma. No, no, no. <laughs> yes, I am. He just pushed you around the living room. Like, what's the matter with you, huh? What are you doing that for, huh? What's the matter with you? No, I, it's actually, it was actually my stupidity is that he would always say like, all right, come here. Uh, if we were on this, cause I was on a two story house. If we were on the second floor of the house and he would stand right by the stairs and I would walk over to him and he pushed me down the stairs and I oh, always did it. What? And I was always like, why do I do this every time? Lori, your dad sounds like a mean older cousin. Doesn't yeah. sound like- it's okay. It's not your <laughs> they- fault that you trusted your father. That is not your fault. <laughs> when I was younger, when I was younger, it hurt. But when I was older, I mean, like pushing me down the stairs was literally just like, I would just like sit on a step. Like I was not, it was not a big deal. So <laughs> one time he accidentally fell down the stairs, pushing me down the stairs. Oh, that's the best. <laughs> oh, I can't. I, I think a dirty sandal is way worse though. That would be, that would be, that would terrify. Cause then not only you're being beat, but then you might get like a disease or something. Well, I mean, I think that's just two different backgrounds and also your hypochondria. Yeah. <laughs> I do think I have every disease. I know. I just put in, I've been feeling really sweaty and I just put that into WebMD and it says that I, I either have cancer or that I've been sexually molested by a member of the satanic cult. So. <laughs> <laughs> really worried about that. <laughs> so, so Javier and Serafina, from what Stephanie remembers, basically just wouldn't take no or nothing happened for an answer. She remembers now, she says, that her father was the one who did inappropriate things with women in front of them. Ugh. That it was him they were emulating when the Barbies were tongue kissing. She had repeatedly confronted him about her not remembering anything happening to her at her aunt's, but he would call her stupid for it and refuse to listen. She recalls only good memories of her aunt and even recalls she was the first person. This is just a cute memory. She recalls that she was the first person to make her eggs with cheese, a dish that she still loved and reminded her fondly of her aunt to that day. I mean, I get that. The first time that is cute. The first time my aunt made me eggs with weenies, I lost my mind. So yeah, the first time my sister made me eggs with Velveeta, oh. I was nuts. Yeah, she like yeah, the best chef in the world. <laughs> totally yeah. remember that. Soon after, the lawyers on the Innocence Project are were granted permission to look at the case files. Also in 2012. The parole board approved Anna's parole. The women are, were now able to write to Anna for the first time in 12 years. Oh, wow. They know that she will fight for them and their innocence. Anna began gathering even more media attention regarding the case, doing interviews and news broadcasts and anything she could get her hands on, working in conjunction with their lawyers of the Innocence Project in order to exonerate her and her friends. Yeah, the the these women are just all the most like 
I just wish I had a tenth of their care, caring attitude and just respect for each other. I mean, they literally had no contact with each other for like 12 years. And the, the woman who got out of prison, she, her first thought wasn't, oh, I get to leave. Her first thought was, why is it, why me? Why can't uh, somebody else leave? Right. Yeah. The, the level of compassion that these women still have is insane to me. I mean, like they were out of uh, the the Bantam bagels that I like at Starbucks today. And I was like, well, the whole world can burn for all, a, for all I can. Like, <laughs> that's my level of compassion. <laughs> After recanting, child abuse charges were brought against Stephanie by Javier. And she had to go to court to fight for custody of her kids. Well, it worked the first time. So why wouldn't it work this time? <laughs> I just think that everybody should watch this documentary because, you know, it's a powerful story. But there's a scene in it that I want to say is probably one of the funniest things I've seen all year, which is Javier not being able to figure out what courtroom he's supposed to go into. (laughs) (laughs) He just keeps walking around. Oh, it made me laugh so hard. So just if you want something funny, don't watch all of it because you're going to get really depressed. But just watch that one part where... (laughs) It also reminds it reminds you, um, especially like me as, as a Latina, like just because somebody looks nice, like Serafina and Javier both look like super nice people. Javier is like, you know, like a just a short, like funny looking guy, you know, he's just like a, a chubby little dude in his like frumpy little suit. Serafina is like an old little abuelita. It looks super nice. But like you never know what people no. are really like. You know, and it's just, yeah, it's a good reminder because, like, I'll see, I'll see, like, sometimes I'll see somebody on the street and I'll be like, oh, but you don't know. You don't know if they've like killed 15 people just because they look nice. I don't know. Oh, dude, I'm looking him up. Yeah, he looks like a teal. Yeah. Yeah. When I was little, my dad is, uh, was a circuit judge for child support, family law. So I actually, I'm looking. I actually spent a lot of my childhood in that courthouse. <laughs> wow! Yeah, really. I should watch that documentary. Yeah. yeah, it's on Prime, so it's easy to it's easy to get. It's not it's not like you don't have to rent it or anything. Uh, did you get lost in there a lot too? No, I knew where I was going. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's their signs. <laughs> 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 they're signing, so I don't understand. <laughs> oh, what an idiot. <laughs> so when the Innocence Project questioned Javier and his mother, some these are just some of the important points that, that they brought up. Javier now says that he never questioned his daughters. They never told him anything. But if that's the case, then why did he call the cops? But, I don't know. But... They also show uh, documentation that specifically says in police reports that he questioned his daughter. Exactly. Yes. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, and, and what's funny is, is like, he's one of those liars who thinks that they're so good at lying mm-hmm. and they're like, I need to cover all my bases. So it's like, I didn't lie. I didn't, I didn't question her. And then you can tell he's thinking back to times where he's told people he's, they question them. So he's like, oh, I got to cover my base. No, what I did was is 
I made sure that they were saying what they were saying. And then I made sure that I didn't ask them any questions. I just wanted them to know that I was listening and that I was hearing what they were. It's like, you're, you're an idiot. It's a dude. bunch of like, pop- poppycock. Yeah. I know you're president. fucking lying. Yeah. He, yeah. He's seriously. Yes. Uh, he also throws his mom under the bus and says that his mom was the one initially questioned by police, not him. Well, they both throw each other under the bus. That's what I love is that they're both, they both are like, no, the other person was the one who took charge. And it's like, oh my God, you guys don't even like each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He also says he never made an official statement, which he definitely did. Would they have a record? That was, yeah. They would have a lot of yeah. records about that. Yes. They have it on record and they even like show it real quick. And, and yet he's like, no, I never made an official statement. No, no. In the documentary, they also interviewed Gloria Ramirez, Liz's mom, who way back when Rosemary and Javier were in the process of separating, Gloria had confronted Javier about the love letters that he had given to Liz. She had them. Gloria had them in her hand while confronting him. Uh, in this clip we're about to play, it basically encompasses Javier and the way that he tries to lie and manipulate his way out of everything. It, yeah. it's a, it leads in from Gloria talking about the letters and then it'll, and then it'll go into Javier. The reason he accused them, I think, is the rejections. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like to be rejected. No rejections. He sends some love letters, and then when I confronted him one day with the love letters, I had the original ones. I said, what's going on with this? He looked at me and like, how did you get them? Because Elizabeth had given them mm-hmm. to me. So he was angry? Yeah, surprise that I had the letters. I didn't write them, okay? okay? Those letters turned up. Gloria had them in her hand. How did, okay, Gloria had them in their hand. She spoke to me about, and I said, I didn't write anything. I didn't write anything. He's like, I didn't, she had them in her hand. I didn't write anything. They're handwriting. (laughs) That's all he says. And then according, according to Gloria, he just like up and left after that, which is how does this, how do, how do people, especially men keep getting away with this type of behavior where it's like, I didn't, I didn't do that. And that's it. And that's it. Yeah. That's where we're leaving it. Well, it's that kind of argument where you think that if the other person can't rebut you, then you win. So they're like, well, who cares? Like, I, it doesn't matter anyway. I didn't write those letters. And, and so the other person is going to be like, well, I don't know where to go from here. It's like, aha, I'm right. <laughs> like, so illogical that you dumbfound yeah. the person you're speaking with. Yes. That makes you right. <laughs> yeah. It's so, yeah, it's so dumb that, yeah, you can't, you know, it's like, it's all the, it's the Trump lovers. It's how they, they are, feel. It's like, they just throw nonsense at you about QAnon and then you're like I, I can't argue this because it's a nonsense thing and they're like well you just proved my point like, <laughs> I didn't oh Javier definitely voted for Trump totally. oh for sure he's so be- he believes in QAnon not because he thinks it's bad he's like secretly writing letters trying to figure out how he can get involved like <laughs> like I want to be a part of this Latinos for Trump is oh man (laughs) it's very scary it's so scary 
It's it's well, ignorant comes in all shapes and sizes. It's a self. Yeah. It's like a self. Inter- it's internalized racism. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. It very much is. From 2012 to 2013, the documentary held screenings in Texas, raising even more awareness for the case. So yay. Yeah, that's great. That year, a bill to allow habeas relief on junk science cases passed the Texas Senate. So that basically, the bill was, uh, or the bill proposed that certain cases be tried or looked at for appeal based on old science. If they were convicted based on old science, then they should have a a new look at them. Awesome. This, paired with the investigation led by the Innocence Project, enabled Dr. Kellogg to recant her expert testimony on the case. With new developments in science, Dr. Kellogg admitted that her findings were speculative, and had she known then what she knows now, would never have accused the women of sexual abuse based on the available physical evidence. Specifically, the scar found on Vanessa's hymen did not mean she was penetrated, as a hymen does not scar over and heal in the way that it had been depicted during the original trials. So that's cool. But also, I want to point out that no one seems to be mad that she wrote the words satanic ritual abuse into her exam notes. Ugh. Yeah. In November 2013, Cassie, Chris, and Liz were released on bond. Finally on their way to justice, the women began fighting for the exoneration of their entire records. They went in for an exoneration trial in 2015, presided over by Judge Pat Priest. Shitty name. (laughs) In Texas, an exoneration hearing can result in a retrial actual innocence or returning to prison which is whoa that that would suck whoa <laughs> god yeah you <laughs> did it now oh. yeah you double did it <laughs> yeah we, it's yeah the conviction is for sure <laughs> on top of everything else they had their lawyers also provided expert testimony from psychoanalysts that have examined the women and concluded that they had zero potential of being sexual offenders according to their testing and sexual histories. Interestingly, Pat Priest, and this is what Lori was about to get at, after being presented with the evidence, makes it a point to complain about how he resents Dr. Kellogg's original findings being referred to as, quote, junk science. Yeah. And she is a trained professional. He gets so he, hissy about it. He... Yeah. She recanted. She said that her science was wrong. She said yeah. that it wasn't well, but, science. But he he's saying that she did the noble thing. She like it's basically like he's saying that she fell on her sword and that you're 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 not taking her gracious, you know, favor well. And what I think is awful. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> I want that to be an argue. I want that to be the way you argue. I would love for you to run for president just to see you argue and for you to be like, <laughs> that's my. That's how I know I've won. Yeah, I yeah. that noise. <laughs> there's a 
there's a very heartbreaking moment where the women in the group are crying because you can tell like this judge is not gonna vote you know help them he's not gonna exonerate them and it's like he basically tipped his hand because he's just an old crotchety white guy who's just like you know how dare you call you know a member of my community a involved in junk science it's like yeah that's what she fucking was you know it's like don't be upset you're a racist you are a racist that's what you fucking are but the bill the bill said junk science so like yeah (laughs) he's just so mad that they called it junk science it doesn't make any sense it's just like a little thing that he had to get in there it's such a weird little thing from a little man with a little dick yeah. It reminds me of when uh when uh Gavin Newsom signed the marriage allowed marriages to be gay marriage to be legal for that short bit of time when he was a governor in San Francisco and uh I went to this wedding with my mom and the priest was like, you know, when I went to sign the marriage certificate, I saw that there was it wasn't man and wife as this is the names, it was uh person 1 and person 2. And uh, I just feel like, uh, and he turns to the bride and the groom, he goes, you guys are going to want to sit down. This is going to take a while. (laughs) He just goes off on this homophobic Uh, rant. And it was just like, really? This was your time to shine? Uh, Like, this was your moment? So annoying. So annoying. It was so annoying. (laughs) That's why I would be crying in court. It wouldn't even be the fact that I've already faced 12 years in prison and could face more. It'd be the fact that it's like, this is so annoying right now. <laughs> yeah. You'd be like, you'd be like, that's how I would be. <laughs> yeah, I get it. It's so frustrating and annoying. So frustrating. <laughs> yes. So he rules that because only one complaint was retracted, there is enough evidence for a retrial, but not for complete exoneration. Insane. Oh, wow. Yeah. Thankfully, instead of going straight to a retrial, the case then went to the Criminal Court of Appeals, which on November 23rd, 2016, found the evidence to be more than enough to declare them actually innocent. The direct quote being, These defendants have won the right to proclaim to the citizens of Texas that they did not commit a crime, that they were innocent, that they deserve to be exonerated. These women have carried that burden. They are innocent and they are exonerated. This court grants them the relief they seek. Woo! Yay! And finally... Finally. Yeah, finally. And finally, in 2019, the women's records were officially expunged. So they spent 12 years in jail. Yeah. Liz actually spent more time in jail because she went in 97. And uh, the women, the other three women turned themselves in in 2000. So 12 years for them and 12, 13, 14, 15 years for Liz. Damn. Oh, I just, I, it's one of those things where you're just like, I, I just hope that they just have amazing lives after this. I hope that every every ama- good, amazing thing, I hope they win the lottery every year. They actually, <laughs> part of their exoneration, I think it was actually a separate process, but I don't have the, the correct wording in front of me, but they're basically, they, they got money back from the state of Texas 
and they each got like at least two million dollars. Fuck that yeah! They, yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. So for, yeah, oh, they're I just, they're okay. I feel like yeah, I feel like the Texas should send the bill to Javier and Serafina <laughs> and just be like, you guys figure this out. Javier and Serafina is over there like hoarding chips from the Tex-Mex place. So I don't think. (laughs) Yeah. She's still at the diner trying to devise a way to make a fifth pass at the the place to get free, free salsa. Yeah. She like takes the tortillas and puts them in her purse and like, I didn't get enough tortilla. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. So yeah, that is the San Antonio Fort. It is one of the few cases in life where it has a happy ending. Yeah. I mean, I'm so happy it worked out the way it did. And I hope, again, I hope these women get everything that they deserve. I honestly, I think that I I still feel like there is a little bit of a tragedy in that, you know, the one woman is now dating somebody else. And I think she's engaged to her now, which, I mean, I hope that they're happy, but it's just sad that she essentially was forced to break up with this woman that she was in love with. Well, and uh, yeah. do you mean Cassie or Liz or, or Cassie or Anna, one of them? Yeah. Yeah. Cause wasn't that, didn't the Liz and, and the other one, didn't they say that they, they were now dating, yeah. even though what the, the, the tall one was like very much like, well, we're, we're seeing how it goes. And the other one was like, no, I mean, it's pretty serious. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. Well, I also wanted to mention that last I could find of Javier, he was studying criminal justice. So let's hope. Oh, okay. That's let's hope he gets just... hit by a train. <laughs> oh. He well, also they said something in there that I thought was interesting, which I was like, I hope they look into this eventually. But that he, I forgot what maybe it was uh, the the mother of of the one that had the letters said like he always finds a way to get himself in these relationships with these women and then take their children. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, he and was, I was like, like oh, he was writing those letters to her when she was fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and- yeah. And being inappropriate with women in front of his two daughters. Yeah. yeah. He's definitely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> definitely questionable. Oh, yeah. He's I, I would I would bet every single thing I own that he's molested somebody. Yeah. He's molested a, a child or something. Something. Somebody's been fondled. At some a point. tree. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, I, I wouldn't bet against that. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely a predator. It's just, here's the thing that frustrates me about this case, is that I feel like there is a definite um, issue with people believing and and people being able to find justice for for, uh, when pedophiles molest or, or when people get sexually assaulted. I think that is a real issue. And the problem I have is that one of the reasons why there is an issue is that for some reason, when when the when people decide to go whole hog into it, it is the batshit stupidest case in the entire world. It is a case where it's like, there's no way this person is guilty. I get, there's no way. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Pizzagate didn't exist, but Jeffrey Epstein is a real thing. Like, yes. Pick what. Go after the real, actual. There are actual pedophile rings. It's not. Uh, you're not yeah. going to find those on 
you know, they're not going to tell you about the actual ones on Infowars or Reddit. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. Uh, no. Our president is a is a pedophile, and I believe that, and that I guarantee you that's going to get a lot more people hating us than calling <laughs> Republicans a racist. <laughs> I firmly believe our president is a pedophile. He's definitely and, a rapist. Yeah, and yeah. I think that, I mean, he, you know, that isn't that he there there is actual evidence that could back that up and there is there was no evidence that could back this up and the pretty much the only reason why this was a case was because of their sexuality and their ethnicity and that was it yep yes and if if anybody wants to come out and be like well what about bill clinton what about yeah he was a rapist too this is a fact we know these things so what about bill clinton he didn't get in trouble for it either that sucks exactly yeah Yeah. he got away with it too all of these people are getting away with it right under our noses just because they don't fit the norm of what we want to hate because they're rich white men they're rich terrible white men terrible people do not have a are not um under a political, you know, like it doesn't just because you're Republican or Democrat doesn't mean that you're automatically going to be a pedophile. Um, you might, with Republican, you might end up being a racist, but you, you know, there are rapists, murderers, sexual predators on every end of the spectrum. And I think it's time. I just, it frustrates me that, you know, we always go after the, it's almost like, it's like, well, now we're going to show everybody that we're serious. And it's always the, poor person of color who's also you know got who's gay Mm -hmm. or something yeah so i just it it, i it really i think the two uh just the two lawyers in the case really kind of cleared it up for me where they said you would be shocked at how little justice and the truth matter in court and he was like the court court trials are not win won by you know, good lawyering or good or the truth or finding the right piece of evidence. It's one in the matter of public opinion. Ooh, have you seen Perry Mason? Not yet. No. He's very good. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm going to see something else about a white dude. Come on. But no, it's actually very good. <laughs> All right, cool. Really? We'll check yeah. it out. I'll have to watch it. They do, they do a really good job. It's as diverse as it can be um, for that. I mean, they, they do a very good job. It is very interesting and it's about you know, this kind of thing, particular uh, trial by um, media. If the next time you want to make yourself watch something that is about white people and you're like, ah, this this better be good. Succession is really good. (laughs) It is painfully mostly just about white people. I think rich white people. people. And I was like, I'm going to hate this. I can't stand this. Oh my God. God damn it. Like it's fucking good. You, I've been told by this by several people. I'll watch it. I do like the Culkins in general. Yeah, and the the guy that play the guy that plays Kendall Roy, the 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 first the second born son, the main character, really really fucking good, just incredible. And I didn't know that it was by Adam McKay. Oh, oh, I didn't know that either. Mm-hmm. The same Adam McKay. The very same. Oh. And then in some episodes, it's Adam McKay and Will Ferrell that, like, wrote them. Really? Yeah. Will Ferrell? It's a very funny show in a very different way from, like, what we're used to. Because it's, like, uh, these people being terrible people 
Uh, it just their normal behavior is super funny. I just, I just, I really, I really liked it, and I want more of it. So that's why I'm talking about it. All right, I'll watch. I'll take out. The well, session. yeah. I'll throw something out there that's a total curveball: is the Mapleworth murders on Quibi, but uh, <laughs> written by Paula Pell. <laughs> so funny. Please check it out. I do it's like so Paula good. Pell. She, it's super. It's super funny. I. I Literally paid for another month of Quibi just so I could be able to watch it because they should just give it to you. It's show. for sale. Did are you sure you didn't you paid for another month? Are you sure you didn't buy the entirety of Quibi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're selling it. Well, for that, it is weird that you mentioned that because they did send me an email that said, When are you showing up to your board the board meeting? <laughs> <laughs> Well, cool. thank you guys for listening, Marcelina. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, thank you for having me. If you don't mind, yeah, thank you so if much. If you don't mind, we'll we'll put a little clip of your interview at the at the end of this, and oh, then yeah. oh, link people you. to it. Yeah, thank you so yeah. much. I'd appreciate. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will be back next week. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye. Have a good night. about how the Latinx community is uh, represented on in the media. Uh, we, we aren't very much. Just being able to see people who look like us and have names like ours on TV is empowering. Just as it's important to have women characters in positions of power. We are politicians, we're scientists, we're engineers, we're architects, we, we're actors, we're writers. We need to not only get more Latinx stories out there, we need to show the scope and the breadth of what our diaspora actually looks like. We don't just, we don't have a monolithic appearance. We don't have a monolithic point of view. We are very diverse. And, and talking with people in the industry, um, I'm hopeful. Everybody seems to be on the same page. Since the death of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matters movement has gained ground in, in mainstream, it has emboldened me to speak up about these issues in these meetings that I'm taking. And I'm finding that the executives that I'm talking to are listening more carefully now. I feel like I'm being heard. Well, those are all the questions I have before we finish up. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Thank you so much for being quarantined with me so that you could talk to me. No, this is lovely. <laughs> Happy Latinx Heritage Month. Cut. No, wait, I don't need sticks to cut. <laughs>